Hello and welcome to Cornerstone Online. This is our weekly experience where we inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that following Jesus makes life better and you better at life. Today we are starting a new series where we're going through the book of First Peter. It's called Outsider insider. And so I'm looking forward to that. We've been in the gospel of Mark, which is the preaching of Jesus or of Peter recorded by Mark. And now we're going to, now that we're at the halfway point of the book of Mark, we're going to take a break and look at another uh, writing and of Peter, which is the first letter of Peter. So that's what we're starting today. And speaking of starting, if this is one of your first times here or you're new to Cornerstone, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you. And the way that we can do that is if you click on that new here link at cornerstonenh.org or wherever you're listening or watching, you can text new to our church number 603-225-2550 and we'll be able to do that. So as we get started in this, um, there were as a conversation I was having with my son Jonathan uh, within the past week or so, and uh, it was funny because he said he told me that there are two things that stick in his mind from uh, conversations over the long haul with his mom and me, and with me. It was the phrase that worry is against our religion. I many times had talked about how Jesus is constantly saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So uh, the fact that he is constantly telling us that tells us that worry is against our religion. If we're following Jesus, we can't worry. We have to entrust ourselves to him and trust him. And then the second thing that he said was that he remembers from his mom that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And I remember when that message was first communicated to me. And I think even though this was before Sue Ellen and I were close, engaged or married, was when we were both at school and we went to a Bible study at somebody's house. And we were looking at the call of Abraham, the call of Abraham from Genesis 12 in the very first book of the Bible. And we'll look at it in just a second, but it shows that God promised that he would bless Abraham But the purpose of that blessing was not just for his own benefit, but that he could turn around and bless others, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Now, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter is writing to a group of believers who are being persecuted, who are having difficulty, just like the, the gospel of Mark was written to believers who are being persecuted in Rome. This book, this letter, 1 Peter, was written to believers who were experiencing persecution and opposition in the provinces of Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. So, similar situation. But in the midst of those difficulties, of the opposition that they were facing, he's going to show them that they are, in fact, blessed and that they can be a blessing as a result. 
So let's look at it together today. We are going, we are talking about purpose, that in the midst of whatever circumstance that you're facing, God has a purpose for you and that you have been blessed to be a blessing. That's a part of the purpose for wherever you are and whatever you're facing and whomever you are with, you have been blessed to be a blessing. And so the practical aspect of that, the practical step, the challenge that I'm going to give you today is to match your resources to your setting. You see, God has has sovereignly and purposefully placed you where you are today. And part of that is so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. And God has given you resources of some sort some leverage, some power, some resource that you can use to be a blessing wherever you are. So let's look at it together. We'll start First Peter. We're only looking at a couple of verses, just really the introduction to the book, but there's so much good stuff packed in there. So let's look at it together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is First Peter chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, You have obeyed him and been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to have your word before us, to look it over, to talk it over, to learn, to see in your word, the purpose that you have for us in the place that we are in right now. I pray that as we do this, that you would speak to each heart individually, everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, and that you would show them how you have blessed them and how they can use that blessing to be a blessing to the people around them. I thank you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So again, the purpose here, you have been blessed to be a blessing. And the first thing that I want you to see from this passage is that we are chosen for service. We are chosen for service. That the fact that God has given us blessings, that he has offered for us to be included in his family, citizens in his kingdom, is not just for our benefit, but we have been chosen for service, for ministry. And that if we are going to fulfill our purpose and be fulfilled in our purpose, then we have to turn around and be a blessing to others. Remember I said that this was first pointed out to us in the story of Abraham. So let's look at it together. This is Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now you may know that Abraham's name was changed 
from Abram to Abraham. And at this point, his name is still Abram. So it says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. What we see here is that Abraham lives among his people in his home. But the first thing that God does is he calls him out of that location, out of everything that he has known, out of everything that he is used to, and out of his normal setting and with his people. When we moved from South Florida to New Hampshire with the purpose of planting a church, I would often, in conversation, tell people why that we had moved. And almost invariably, I would get a funny look and the question, the one word question, why? And I used to say, it would only be God. It's only God. Because I was born in Key West, Florida, the southernmost part city in the continental United States. I had grown up in South Florida. So for me, when I was in college, I remember I spent time with family in Virginia, which is the South. And, but it was still a 17 hour drive North from where we lived. And I spent part of the winter there and I was cold all the time. And I decided there was no way that I wanted to live anywhere else, but South Florida. Talking to Sue Ellen, my wife, she had family in New Hampshire. She said, when we first got together, I'd like you to come and visit and see my family up there. And New Hampshire just seemed so far away to me that I thought, I don't know if we'll ever get up there. That's just crazy. But that was, that was my thinking. It's so far away, so far north. I don't, I don't know about that. So the first time that I came to New Hampshire was when we were, I was driving a big yellow truck with everything that we belonged in the back of it to move up here to plant a church. It was getting outside of what everything that I had known, everything that I had expected. And the answer to that question why is it must have been God. That's the only thing that would have convinced me to move 1,500 miles straight north when all I had known was South Florida. So in a similar way, Abraham is given a similar calling to leave everything that he has known, his people, his place. And it's so unspecific what God tells him. He says, and go to the land that I will show you. He I knew that I was moving to New Hampshire, at least. He didn't even know where he was going. He was just told to leave. And he knew one thing, he didn't know where he was going, but he did know that wherever he went, he was going to be a foreigner, a stranger, that this was going to be an unfamiliar and new place. Go to the land that I will show you. And then in the next couple of verses, God gives Abraham promises that he needs. First, in verse two, he says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. He's saying, now I'm, ask, I'm making a big ask of you, Abraham, but I want you to know that there's going to be a big blessing as a result of your obedience as well. As you do this, I am going to pour out the blessings of heaven on you. But notice that it's, that's only the first part of this promise. 
I will bless you. In turn, he says, God says, Abraham, you are going to be a blessing to others. I'm going to pour out my blessings to you, but I'm also pouring out my blessings through you, that where that you are going to go and you are going to be a blessing to others and what as well. And in fact, he expands it in verse three. He says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the families of earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is one of the many foreshadowings of the blessings through Christ, because it was through Abraham through uh, his people that the Jewish people arose and then of course the Messiah in Jesus Christ and God was blessing the whole world by sending his son and that is the core of this promise that all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So yes, Abraham was called. He was special. God had put a special calling and blessing on him. But notice that it was an election for service. It was a choosing for ministry. So he is blessed to be a blessing and all the families on earth will be blessed through him. Our bottom line is, you have been blessed to be a blessing as well. The same principle applies. Now, in the beginning of the book of Second, First Peter, the same principle is applied. And it talks about how, just like Abraham, we are strangers and foreigners, sojourners in our world. And what he's saying there is that we are outsider insiders. Yes, we belong to the family of God. Yes, we are citizens in his kingdom. But that also means that wherever we are in this world, we are kind of like outsiders. We're just visiting. We are just passing through. At the same time that we are ultimate insiders in the family of God, we are outsiders in our world. We are outsider insiders. And this is something that Abraham recognized in himself and serves as a pattern for us as well. A little bit later in the story, Abraham in Genesis 23, 4 says, here I am a stranger and foreigner among you. Situation is that he has moved. He has gone to the place that God would show him. He's now moving around, living as a sojourner, as somebody who is a nomad just passing through, but his wife has died and he needs a place to bury her. So he goes to the locals and he wants to purchase property. But this is the way he describes himself. Here I am. I'm, I'm among you, but I'm not one of you. I'm a stranger and foreigner among you. And that is our approach our view of ourselves in the world as followers of Jesus as well. Jesus taught us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are here. We are here to be a blessing, but we don't belong to the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And in describing that principle at work, the author 
of the letter to the Hebrews says the same kind of thing. After going through all these examples of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, he says they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. In other words, there was something common about, in common about all of these heroes of the faith. They considered themselves as foreigners, that they have residence here, but their allegiance is somewhere else. They are nomads. They are sojourners. They are just passing through. This is not their home. They are not putting down permanent roots. Now, fast forward to this letter that Peter is writing to these different believers. It starts out by saying, this is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter sent, one who is sent, that's what apostle means, of Jesus Christ. In the same way that Abraham received a commission to go and to live as a foreigner in the promised land, to be blessed by God with the purpose of being blessed, uh, a blessing of God to the people. In this similar way, Peter is one who is sent and he is sent to be a blessing. We are, have been blessed to be a blessing and we are scattered on purpose. See, Abraham was sent out from his home country and his home people. God had a purpose in the midst of that. And what we see in this introduction to the letter of First Peter is a similar principle at work, that we are scattered on purpose. So he starts out, identify himself, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Then the next thing is the, in the pattern is telling who he's writing to. He says, I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners, Who are the people that he's writing to? He gives three words that describe them. They are the chosen. They are the elect. And remember, when a person is elected by God, when he is chosen by God, it's not God playing favorites and saying, I like this person better. What he's doing is saying, I'm choosing this person to put them to work harder. That's what the whole choosing and election of Abraham worked out to be. I'll bless you, but you're going to be a blessing. And when you are included in Christ, who is the chosen one, then you are being chosen for service. You are being blessed, but you are being blessed to be a blessing. So this whole, actually this whole uh, phrase, this whole sentence in the Greek is just three words. And they are these that I've highlighted chosen, and then living. That's how the New Living Translation translates diaspora, the scattered. You say, uh, and so they're living as foreigners, and it's about to tell where they are living. But what he's saying here is that you are scattered. You're all over the place. You're living in all of these different places that we'll look at in just a second. You are the you are the, the, the chosen, the elect, 
but you're scattered everywhere. Why are you scattered? You're scattered so that you can be a blessing, so that you can serve others wherever you find yourself. Why did does did God move us to New Hampshire? Why does he continue? That's one of been the most th- encouraging things that I've seen over the 20 plus years that we've been here is that God continues to draw people to this area from outside of the area with the purpose of blessing this area. And by that, we mean the people in this area. This wasn't just something unique to me. God is always moving people around to accomplish his purposes and putting them in places where they can be a blessing to others. So as you look at your situation, maybe you've moved to a place where you you don't feel quite at home. Maybe you are facing a move. Maybe you are not changing addresses, but you've got a different job or you're going to a different school or there's something new about the place that you are going to or find yourself in. I want you to see that that's not by accident. It's on purpose. And that if the Lord has placed you in this place, it is so that you can fulfill his purpose. And he has a purpose for you where you are right now. He's, uh, he chooses us for service. He scatters us on purpose. And then lastly, that they are foreigners or sojourners. These are people who live in a particular place, but their heart and their allegiance is somewhere else. We've talked before about how accepting Christ, having faith in Christ, has the idea of declaring your allegiance to Jesus, that he's the king, that he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots. And just like in the ancient Old Testament days, the people, when they were scattered, when they were in exile, they were told to be a blessing wherever they are. We, in the same way, don't belong here, but we are supposed to bless here. We're supposed to make a positive impact. We are chosen for service. We are scattered on purpose, and we are sojourners by design. That we're just passing through our allegiances somewhere else, but we're going to be a blessing wherever we find ourselves. So, Peter says, I'm writing to the God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, all of these are provinces in the Roman Empire that are in what is now what's called Asia Minor, what is now primarily Turkey, the, the country of Turkey. So he's writing to these believers in this different area. And this also could show the route of the person who was delivering this letter. Most likely Peter was in Rome. He sends uh, someone to uh, deliver the letter and go all around this area to all these different provinces. And the order suggests that this might have been the traveling route. But these are places where believers were scattered. They were on purpose. 
They were not, this is not their home, but because their allegiance is to Jesus and their citizenship is in heaven. But this, these are the places where they have been scattered to be a blessing. And then to round out the greeting, Peter packs just an amazing amount of truth, encouragement, and insight into this next part. He said, I'm writing to you who are the chosen, who are the scattered, who are the foreigners, wherever you find yourself. And these are the different places you're, you're finding yourself. Uh, and then he goes on to say that God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. That you are the scattered, chosen foreigners according to God's foreknowledge. And again, this just goes to purpose, that God doesn't do anything on accident, that if you have given your life, surrendered your life to Jesus, he is directing and guiding your steps. And in in this section, it's going to point to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, Christ the Son, the Trinity. And you're going to see how all these uh, the the different persons within the Godhead are at work in your life to accomplish this purpose. So the Father knew you according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now that doesn't just mean that he knows what's going to happen. This is not knowledge, this primarily. This is relationship primarily. He, what, what Peter is affirming here is that you who feel like you're not at home, who are scattered but chosen, that's because God knew you. He loved you. He knew you and loved you before you were born. And wherever you find yourself, that's not an accident and it's not a surprise to God because he knew you and he planned it ahead of time. The father knew you and chose you long ago. And then the Holy Spirit, what's his role in this? And his spirit has made you holy. You have been sanctified by the spirit. Now, holiness has two primary meanings. And the one that I think we usually go to first and foremost is this idea of righteous and good and without blemish, without fault. And that is true, that when you are born again into God's family, then you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. And part of his work is to renew you from the inside out and you have been sanctified. You have been made holy. Now, that does not mean that you don't ever mess up or make mistakes. What it does mean is that when God looks at you, he sees the perfect record of Jesus Christ, not the broken, sorry record of our performance. So, yes, there is a righteousness part of it. And he sanctifies us. He brings our life in line with our standing. So that is true. But the core meaning of holiness is something that is 
other, something that is set apart. What, God, what makes God holy is his absolute, pure, perfect righteousness. So as a result of that, he is different than anyone or anything else. He is holy. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you, sets you apart for his purposes. Now we're back to the idea of being chosen for service, of being elect for the purpose of ministry, of being blessed in order that you might be a blessing. The Holy God has chosen you. He knew you. He knew the situation you would find yourself in. He has purpose in the midst of that. And the Holy Spirit has set you apart for his purposes and to accomplish his will wherever you find yourself among whomever you find yourself. The Holy Spirit has made you holy. He's set you apart for his purposes. And then lastly, Jesus, the son, is brought into the mix. As a result, in order that, why are all these things happening? Why do you find yourself where you find yourself? In order that, as a result, you have obeyed him and been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So God does all of this work to bring you into obedience, to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, to walk in his steps, to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. So he gives you a new record. He takes all of the sin and failings that you have accomplished and puts the penalty of that on Jesus on the cross. It talks about literally being sprinkled by the blood. What does that mean? What does it mean to be cleansed? Well, in the Old Testament rituals, when they would offer a sacrifice for sin, they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it on the altar. And when you saw the altar, you saw the blood. What was the blood? It was evidence that the sacrifice had been offered. When you're watching a crime show and they come on a crime scene and there's a, they're taking pictures of the blood splatter, what are they doing? They are collecting evidence. It's evidence that a crime has happened. Here, the blood is evidence that the sacrifice had been offered and the sin had been atoned for. So God has blessed us, given us, offered us forgiveness in Jesus Christ, sprinkled us with his blood. In other words, paid the penalty for our sin, extended forgiveness to us in order that, so as a result, we can now obey Jesus wholeheartedly. We can follow in his steps. We can accomplish the purposes that he has in mind for us. But this isn't automatic. It's not by default. Our default is rebellion. Our default is purposeless. Our default is to be outside of God's family, God's kingdom, and his will. But when we say yes to Jesus, we say Yes, I want what you did on the cross to count for me. Yes, I will follow you. You get to be the boss. I'm going to call you not just my savior, but my 
Lord. That's the ultimate blessing. And when you accept that blessing, you can then be a part of his purposes to bless the world. So my invitation is to say yes to Jesus, to commit, to turn over your life to Jesus. And if you're doing that now, that's not something that's automatic. It doesn't happen automatically because you grew up in church. It doesn't happen automatically because you went through some ritual or prayed uh, some prayer or something like that. What happens is you say yes to Jesus and you can do that in a prayer. And yes, there are ceremonies like baptism associated with that. But ultimately, it's, those are just supposed to be outside reflections of something that happens on the inside. Has there ever been a time where you, at the core of your being, have, co- have committed your life to Jesus? To say yes to him. Yes to his forgiveness, but also yes to his lordship, to his leadership in your life. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do that, to accept that ultimate blessing that is offered in Christ so that he can, in turn, use you to accomplish his purposes of blessing the world around you. If you're doing that for the first time, then I would love to know that because we want to celebrate with you and we want to resource you as you begin your walk with Christ. You can do that among uh, uh, the best ways is to just text yes to 603-225-2550, our church number, and then we will be able to resource you and celebrate you as you get started on this journey. Ultimately, that's the, the core message, the core blessing that we are offered, and we have been blessed to be a blessing. We see that in the story of Abraham. We see that in Peter's calling and ministry, and he's going to show us through the letter of 1 Peter how this is true for every follower of Jesus. We are outsiders. There's a sense in which we don't belong, and we might get treated that way. But ultimately, we are the ultimate insiders when we know Jesus, belong to Jesus, and we can be blessed to be a blessing. So here's the practical step. Here's what I would love for you to do to match your resources to your setting. Wherever you have been scattered, you have been called to be a blessing. Don't put down roots in this world, but instead use your place in this world to bless others. So take an inventory where am I right now? Just look around, you know, where, what, think about your work setting. Think about your neighborhood. Think about, you know, when you go into a store, sometimes I try to keep this in mind that when I even go into a store or go through the fast food drive through or wherever I am <clears throat> to turn it on its head and to not say, well, they're there to serve me, but how can I be a blessing to the people that are serving others? Just think about, take an inventory where you are. And then uh, secondly, take your, uh, an inventory of your resources. 
you know, what are the things that God has given me? Maybe it's just a kind word. Maybe it's financial resources. Maybe it's a skill or an ability that you have that you can leverage for the benefit of others. A follower of Jesus is always in every setting that they're going into saying, how can I help? What can I do to be a blessing? And then inventorying your resources, taking an inventory of your setting, your place, your places, your worlds right now, and then say, how can I match those up? How can I be a blessing? Because God has blessed me. He's given me resources. He's given me some kind of power, influence, or resource to leverage. How can I do that for the benefit and blessing of others? Match your resources to your setting. And then act accordingly. Act accordingly. Recognize that, that God knew you ahead of time. That God was going to place you in a particular time and place. Not by accident. Not because a, another plan didn't work out. But because he has sovereignly gifted you and placed you for where you are right now. Recognize your blessings and recognize that you have been blessed to be a blessing. And then how does the introduction to the book end? May God give you more and more grace and peace. Like so often in the letters of Paul, where he says grace and peace to you, Peter picks up that same thing, that same theme, grace, unmerited favor, peace, shalom, a sense that all is well, all is as it should be. Grace and peace to you through Christ our Savior. But he adds this distinctive, in abundance, more and more. And what I think you will find is if you recognize the blessings that you've been given, recognize that your place in the world is to be a blessing to your place in the world, that you're going to find that your grace, your gifts, and your peace are going to be multiplied. Let's be a people who recognize that we have been blessed to be a blessing and to bless others wherever we go. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would help each of us to have insight. So often we look at what's in our hands and we tend to minimize it and we tend to view uh, things as in comparison, not as good as, or not as much as. But the truth is that you have blessed every single person who is watching and listening and that you've placed them on purpose. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give us the insight that we need to match our resources with our setting and then the courage, faith, boldness that we need in order to act accordingly. Help us to be a blessing wherever we go. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us ultimately in Christ, given us forgiveness, given us purpose. And I pray, Lord, that we would leverage everything that's in our hands for the benefit of those around us and to uh, the furtherance of your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.